0: Welcome to episode 37 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I'm Michael O'Brien from the Sun-Times, here with Joe Henrikson from the City Suburban Hoops Report, and uh, forget the housekeeping, forget whatever else. We're going right into this. We had a massive weekend of basketball. You know, the debate, I guess. Is it the biggest weekend of the year? Most people thought it was. I still prefer holiday tournament time overall, but I think... One of the top two top weekends of the year for sure. Uh, Joe and I saw a ton of basketball, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to tell you our two takes. Um, a lot of listener questions to go through, and then we'll take a brief look at the week ahead, which is a really lame week. You know, a lot of the conferences are wrapped up, except for their crossovers. South suburbs are still playing, but other than that, a little one a two a action. But let's start off with these listener questions, Joe.
1: Yeah, we already had if uh, we already did a mini podcast before we went on and taped this because we kept. Yeah. <laughs> talking about the weekend so it's uh it's good to finally get back at it.
0: And I'm just I'm just running through my email here with these uh, questions. So this one's from Grant Woody. He says great show. Did you catch Nick Irvin immediately after Friday's loss to Simeon? The TV cameras caught him perfectly. I've never seen a head coach run after officials and shout superlatives. I'm guessing Grant didn't mean superlatives. Superlatives. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say he meant expletives <laughs> in their ears like that. Hilarious. What are some of your most memorable high school coaching stunts at officials or tirades? That's the first question. Um, I like that Grant at no point like is upset with Nick Irvin about this. <laughs> he's, he's enjoying the spectacle of it and wants to know what other spectacles we've seen.
1: Well, hilarious and superlatives <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are the ways to describe it. Uh, I remember when um, uh, brother Rice lost that super sectional game to Bloom, I believe, at East Aurora, and I believe Coach Richardson was in the Comcast or the not Comcast at the time. It was a, the cable truck looking at the replay of the controversial uh, uh loss to to Bloom at a, at a tip in with a horn and a gun buzzer beater uh that was a little bizarre different but
0: um yeah i have um so many um as you everyone knows i'm from joliet and at joliet we we whine and yell at officials as if we're getting paid for it on a permanent basis and like this year there was a huge thing joliet fans went nuts after that stag loss so i have yelled at officials um, when i was a fan i was once kicked out of plainfield central for yelling at officials when I was a fan. Um, <coughs> our coaches have yelled at officials. South Suburban coaches, like Mike Flaherty, who's at Thornridge, oh, my gosh, he would just never stop. Um, so it, there's a lot of it. I mean, I was just hearing that Mike Taylor was losing it, Marin Catholic coach, this weekend at somebody for a while. Um, I don't know if I have, like, a, a most memorable stunt. I remember Mike O'Connell losing his mind when I was in high school, getting teed up, like, three times in a row and sent out. It's a pretty regular thing, I guess.
1: I think it's, I think it's toned down over yeah, the years. Yeah, I agree. Big time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anywhere near the antics that I don't know. I remember seeing when I was a kid in the '80s, and then throughout, you know, in the '90s and two thousand, even you know, it kind of tamed them down the last 10, 15 years, I think.
0: Because people can take video of you on your phone on their phone. Well, that's true <laughs> i think when people didn't think they were being filmed on high school cube or on somebody's phone they got a lot wilder uh, no doubt but yeah nick was pretty upset and it got worse in the locker room we were waiting for um to talk to the kids after the game we were all kind of back there together and uh, the morgan park coaching staff and the officials had a, had a run-in shall we say after that however i mean i don't know how you feel about that joe but i thought the officials did a spectacular job yeah, at that game. The kids decide. It's exactly what I ranted about a couple podcasts ago. That game was not decided at the free throw line. Yeah, kids were fouled and it wasn't called. All over the place, equally. But in the last 30, 40 seconds, who made the shot and who didn't, that's what happened and it wasn't free throws. And I'm all for that. I thought it was great.
1: I'm all for that. There were a couple of questionable calls. Well, the, the, the baseline travel or the traveling... Issue that they did did not call, but um, yeah, and I guess
0: there was a bad out of bounds call. Um, somebody was telling me they were asking me because I was close to it, but I was apparently was looking down. But but yeah, overall, the last thirty seconds when they just let the kids play. I was, well, the other crazy. thing that's different
1: in the city compared to anywhere else is there's these relationships with <laughs> yeah. with the officials and the coaches, and they just there's just history. There's there's just a whole lot of more so than you'll ever see in the suburbs for sure. And uh that's just kind of a different animal in the public league.
0: It's hard to even describe. Um I've been covering it for a very long time and sometimes I'll still get shocked at the depth of their relatives so often. <laughs> I mean, it's a clannish, you know, environment, no doubt about it, and they tend to work things out in the city amongst themselves <laughs> and they'll figure it out. But yeah, it was it was a fun night. Um Next, Grant ends his email with uh, an interesting question. He says, and after covering Simeon for three straight days, any insight on Kizo Brown? Uh, my first thing would be, yeah. He played. I But I covered Simeon three straight days. There are ranked teams I haven't seen play three times all year, and that does annoy me, and it's been annoying me for a while, um, which is something I'm going to hit in one of my takes. But, um, Kizo Brown Insight. I'll tell you guys, podcast listeners, straight up, I asked Robert Smith if he could give us any more clarity on Kizo Brown, and he just didn't respond to me at all, Um, which is rare. Actually, it's never happened before. This is the first subject he hasn't um, at least attempted to answer. So it's it's officially a mysterious situation. But yeah, as Joe mentioned, he played. It was the uh, City Suburban game, um, about a minute. Yep. Um, And that was about it. So... Um, You know, I keep forgetting to check if he's on the bench for the other ones. Right. Because sometimes he isn't. Um, Right. So I don't even know if he was. I
1: I can't remember either. (laughs)
0: Um, So, yeah, it's a mysterious thing. One of these things maybe we can hit on this spring. But um, next up, uh, Phil Udies, who is basically the... Chicago Sun-Times St. Joe's correspondent. You guys have probably seen me retweet him all the time. He's always given us a nice halftime update and then a final update from wherever St. Joe's is. He seems to go to every St. Joe's games, and I've really appreciated his updates on that. Um, It's kind of a long email, but I think it's an important topic, so I'm going to read it all. He says, uh, Did you ever get a chance to see the Catholic League title game? You didn't miss much. Not when there were 48 fouls or 1.5 fouls every minute. Just ridiculous how the game had no flow and was ruined because of that. It was bad on both ends. Fenwick deserved to win, which hurts for me to say, being a Joes guy, but they are the better team. Which team made the biggest statement this weekend to start the playoff run? I'm guessing it was Simeon in 4A. Which team lost the most steam going into the playoffs? I hope this isn't Joes. They had a terrible game Saturday. I think if they meet them again in the sectional finals, it's a much closer game. Only problem is, I think North Lawndale gives Joes a hard time in the semis. I haven't seen them play this year. What advantage do they have over Joes? Um, stop there. There's a little bit more, but first off, we're not going to hit the uh, big biggest statement thing. He's right about Simeon and Foray, but Joes going to hit that in one of his takes. The, I, I think the question is, which team lost the most steam going into the playoffs this weekend? What, what do you think?
1: Well, I'm going to go with not so much this week. I know Evanston's that logical choice uh, with the yeah. loss of Maine yeah. South and, and Simeon, but the St. Joe's thing to me, not just this weekend. Well, kind of it is this weekend because they got buried in a, against a team that is the team they're going to have to beat to get out of the sectional. But as I looked closely at you know their struggles, they've been very inconsistent. Win one, lose one. Win one, lose one. Since their ten and zero start to the season, I believe they're nine and eight uh, over the last seventeen games. So that is not a trend that is pointing upward, Mike. And um, I, I just worry about I – mean, I've been worried about their youngsters, their guard play, if Nick Rakosevich can carry them, the duration of the season. It's a lot of weight on his shoulders. And I just – I thought they would be a – I just don't see them as a threat to win the sectional at all. No, they and, can't. They
0: cannot beat North Lawndale at Westinghouse.
1: And I was going to say, North Lawndale has clearly elevated themselves uh, above St. Joe's and, and is now Fenwick's biggest threat in that sectional. So that's, to me, maybe not necessarily this weekend, but over the last few weeks and then a, kind of an exclamation point with that, that big 20-plus point loss to Fenwick.
0: I, I mean, so many – teams lost steam more teams lost steam this weekend going to the playoffs and gained it Morgan Park is a sputtering engine or, uh, at this point which is kind of shocking um St. Joe's getting blitzed by Fenwick like that yeah that you lost a ton of steam Evanston as, as Joe mentioned wow did they lose steam they were feeling unbeatable and their fans thought they were unbeatable and now I mean losing to Main Maine South or Simeon would have been bad enough but to lose to both I mean, that's a ton of steam lost. RB still can't get over the hump. You know, they've lost steam. So, yeah, it's it was a weekend where Simeon seemed to motor on. Maybe Kenwood, you know, gained some steam. You can add Curie to that list of teams that lost steam. Um, you know what? I might pick them as the most. Curie? Um, yeah, because they only lost to Kenwood, but Kenwood's in their sectional. And it was the second time they've lost to Kenwood this year, and they just haven't seemed right to me. This was supposed to be a year... As much as Simeon and Morgan Park thought they could win the city this year and win state, that belief had grown in Curie. This was a year they really thought there was.
1: Not just win state, win a sectional.
0: Yeah, and and win the city, they thought.
1: Because I've continued to say that that's the best program in the city and suburbs that has never won a sectional title. Uh, And and this, to me, was the year without that kingpin out there to to get, get, not just to get you know, with the sectional title, but like you said, get to Peoria and, and, and maybe, you know, is this the best Curie team ever? Probably not, but it, it's one with their, maybe the most realistic chance when the season started for them to do all the things they've never done.
0: See, I thought it was briefly. I thought they were better than the stamps and cliff team for right after Pontiac for a while there. And they were playing that well, but now they're not. They, they right. Devin Gage has like, he just disappears in the first half. I don't even know what's going on. He and it's not like your opinion. Oh, he's not doing much. He's literally not scoring at all. <laughs> I mean, there are zero points in multiple first halves.
1: Well, it's they, so and it, and then the team has gotten off to such slow starts. Yeah, uh, regularly, and you know you can't continue to do that, especially state tournament time. You know, dig yourselves out of those types of holes and. You know, their sectional is going to be tough uh, once they they'll win the regional uh, and they'll, their sectional will be very difficult to get through.
0: And, you know, we've seen that time and again from the city tournament for so many teams, it provides a very necessary wake up call, you know, that that isn't debilitating for your state hopes. Curie just found out that they have to stop doing what they're doing. And so I think that's going to be really helpful for them in the sectional. We've seen that over the last you know, since the automatic bid stopped, we've seen that really be helpful to CPS teams. The team who usually wins it, it does not transfer over well um, as much as the team who gets eliminated before they think they should. Um, so, anyway, well, and there's,
1: then there's that big break for so many of them.
0: Oh yeah, so many teams did not. I don't ever remember uh, this late in the season doing the rankings where three things: a, there were so many CPS teams in the top ten; b so many teams didn't play the week before and see so many teams had more than eight losses in the top 25. It's crazy. Um, anyway, onwards to the next question. This is from it's P Smith. This is Phil Smith. He's a rich South guy. I'm pretty sure. Um, I've met Phil a few times. He says, love the show. Now that the regular season is over. Well, Phil, We've got a week left, man. <laughs> it's not, he's a South Suburban guy. He should know this. I was having some of the um, Tribune people who don't think the South Suburbs exist wondering where they're going to go next week. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The whole South Suburbs are st- <laughs> still have conference play. You know, they don't do the crossover thing on Wednesday. You know, they play Friday. There's a lot of good games. Anyway, uh, but Phil says, what were your top three attended games this season?
1: You know what's funny, Mike, is I think all three of them involved Simeon games.
0: Oh, jeez, Joe. <laughs> Everyone already thinks you're in the bag. For I know, but <laughs> oh, the, the
1: Simeon semifinal game with um Pontiac. Well, although which the other semifinal game might have been even better.
0: Obviously, it was
1: better. Uh, we'll go that one, Manuel, and um, uh, Manuel and Julia. Uh why, why can't I? Juliet best. <laughs> I want to hear you say. It. <laughs> you found that uh, real enjoyable, <laughs> huh? <laughs> uh, Manuel Juliet West. I loved both Simeon Morgan Park games. The first one at Morgan Park, yeah, won, and then this last one that Simeon won. The one in between, I don't know, but uh, no, those are my three favorite games. I think.
0: Boy, i You see, I did not come up with this. Um, the first Simeon Morgan Park game, no doubt, um, that was the best I thought of the three.
1: God, this last one was fantastic.
0: See, I didn't. You thought it was, I didn't like it better than the first one.
1: I just thought it was the only thing that ruined it was playing at an awful vent. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I, I just thought, with the stakes as high as they were, just matching each other. And the other thing I loved is I loved that the stars of the teams played huge. I mean, Charlie Moore was spectacular. Yeah. Uh, in in this last game, um. You know, the Kenwood-Curie game at Kenwood, which that that one I was not... I I watched that one on the Cube, actually.
0: That was an excellent game. Um, The North Lawndale-Morgan Park game, that'd be in my top three. So I guess I have two Morgan Parks. And I know there was a game in the suburbs uh, that I was at. There was an unlikely one that I ended up really enjoying. But I'm struggling. It did not involve Glenbard-West or Oak Park. (laughs) I can tell you that much. Um, (laughs) Ah...
1: we, we, we haven't talked about one suburban team.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to...
1: We're going think... to get killed.
0: Yeah, no, I know there was um, a game I...
1: Now, this question is hard. Oh, oh, year. you know what? I, this I re... question is yeah. difficult this year because the season's been a little rough.
0: I really enjoyed the Waukegan-North Chicago game um, at Waukegan. Great gym, place was packed. You know, neither team, let's be honest, is really going anywhere. Neither team had a good season, but they filled that old gym in Waukegan. Both teams played their butts off. You know, uh, Simeon Henton played, played a great game. I think North Chicago was a little bit dangerous. They got a crazy high seed because that sectional is horrible. But they're always it, dangerous in three yeah, yeah.
1: A. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just inevitable.
0: Um, that was super fun. Just to see an area that nobody talks about. You know, no media pays much attention to. They don't care. You know, they don't have a single high major player on the floor. Nobody cared. They just were just there to watch their big rivalry. and It was a great game. It was a lot of fun. It was horrible that it didn't start for me for deadline until like 8.30. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that game. Those were really I will say in
1: two games. decades of the City of the Roman Hoops report, now this is a very unofficial record, this, was the, 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 this has been the fewest amount of good games I've seen in one basketball season in, in, in tw- two decades.
0: Wow. Yeah, Joe did not have a good season. Oh. <laughs> it's too bad. Um, all right. Um, next up is a Ronell Chapman who I think is asked. A, we've probably had a question from him on every podcast. But uh, he says, love the show. Another long email here. Um, he says, crud. I should have went to Lyons Township for the City Suburban Showdown on Saturday. Joe would disagree. Um, after staying home to watch the Catholic League Championship the day after, seeing too highly played public league semifinal games the night before, I felt like I went from watching two great Super Bowls on Friday to viewing an NFL preseason game with replacement reps on Saturday. That being said, how do you feel? How do you feel about the officiating down the stretch in big games? I remember you might have covered it a little bit after the Juliet West manual. He's right. So he's asking what we just talked about. Yeah, I'm all for letting the kids play at the end. Um, I think Joe is pretty much there too. Yeah,
1: and, and you guys, everybody listening, there is a problem with high school officiating. I all I know there's officials that listen, but there's just not enough good ones out there. And there are so many games being played on the same nights in high school basketball that you are bound to have a lot of poorly officiated games. And it, it's an issue in high school basketball. They don't get paid much. They take abuse. It's a you don't make everybody (laughs) happy and no matter what you do. The the amount of money they make is ridiculous.
0: Um, No, just like the the guy covering the game for the Juliet Herald News, they're doing it because they love it. And I think we all need to remember that a little bit.
1: I agree with that. But you're also the guy covering the game isn't getting abused verbally for an hour and a half it's and, even worse, and, <laughs> yeah, and, no doubt. I mean, so you're talking – you're trying to get people into the – I'll call it a sport of officiating. And it's hard because the reward is, yeah, not there other than the love of the game. And they're not making any money. And, and I, I just think it's hard to keep high-qualified guys in it for a long time to begin with and, two, to get more people to want to do it. And I, I just think it's a problem in high school basketball.
0: Yeah, it, no, it, it definitely is. Um, it's a problem in all in high school football too. Um, Taylor Bell, I think one of the final things he wrote for us was about um, the officials worried about it. The aging officials that more people don't want to do it. It's an issue uh, for sure. Uh, uh, for all of our sports, it's just it's
1: well, if you didn't really really love it,
0: why why, why would, would you? Do you? It? It's a horrible job. Yeah, I mean, yeah you're
1: driving sometimes long distances. Yeah. You're getting $55, 65 bucks, and you're getting abused for an hour and a half.
0: <laughs> yeah, nah, I don't. It, anyway. It's it's a very different mindset than me, so I can't even imagine it. I I could never do that job. I don't. But anyway, yeah. Um, I think maybe we need to, a, but just maybe appreciate them a little bit more. Maybe if we weren't so harsh on them. More, oh, more,
1: fans more, are nuts. I know. Maybe they, more, more people would want to do that, it. Yeah. I I, I mean. It would take, well, I guess you're the fans an fans aren't as bad as the coaches. I guess you're an expert. No, I disagree. I, because the. In some places. Officials are going to accept a little bit from the coaches. Just shut up if you're a fan. I mean, you, it's. Although I guess you're an expert from what you've told me from your past history of getting thrown out of Plainfield Central game and Joliet game. But I, I just.
0: It was a sophomore I, game. I. <laughs> My brother was playing. <laughs> I, I, I just yeah.
1: see no point in it. Yeah. yeah, I was at a game. I was at the game you were at, Naperville Central, Naperville North, and I, I, the other week, and I just – anyway, I, I think fans are nuts. You, they you, are. You, you, you avoid some of it. You're more of the press yeah. table guy than I am. No, but that's uh-huh. why
0: I understand. I was a crazy fan. I was a crazy fan that raged against the rankings. I raged at officials. So when I get these emails –
1: raging against the rankings is just – Fun, but it's the same thing. Debate. You are you,
0: you are so partisan and so biased. You only watch your team, so everybody else sucks. And even when you lose, if a couple of things have gone well, you'd have beaten that team. <laughs> so you think you're better than them, and you do that all year. And I know what that gets to be like. And uh, then you think the refs are against you. So I understand. Nuts. Yeah, it's it's bad. Um, Just
1: accept that they're not very good.
0: Uh, <laughs> the the second part of this email is great, and I'm going to read this. It's good question, and it's well-written, and it's a it's a really interesting topic. Um, Fenwick hasn't made it out of a state sectional in a while, as they've been defeated by Chicago Public League teams in the playoffs the last few years. Obviously, this year's team is a lot better than recent years, but they must get over that hump from the Public League to advance, and Fenwick has a huge target on their back as the top seed. Evanston has that target as well. Which road will be tougher to Peoria. Fenwick winning a sectional on the west side, beating what seems like the entire west side, and overcoming CPS refs where they may not get all the calls they've been accustomed to. Or, Evanston beating familiar rivals for the second and third time this season, and then having to knock off Curie, Kenwood, or RB in a tough super. First of all, Ronell Chapman, that is a fabulous question you could write <laughs> the sudden times.
1: that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, which do you think? Which is more difficult? Uh, Fenwick going into what is – I mean, he even understated it. They're going into a hornet's nest.
1: Yeah, it's obstacles. You're going into a public league yeah. gym at Westinghouse to play Red West teams. Now, why I don't think it's as tough as we've seen in the past is because those teams, I don't think, over the North Lawndale, are as good as they have been. Um,
0: and or got knocked down to 2A.
1: Yeah, so – so, and, and then you look at – I think that sectional has – I think it's fallen because it's St. Joe's isn't as good as they've been. Um, And then you look at what Evanston is going to go through in terms of Evanston isn't as high – playing as high a level as Fenwick already is. So that's why I think it's not as bad. I mean, Evanston's going to get a, 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 a just a tough super sectional if they can get through that sectional. And I don't know if Evanston's equipped as much as Fenwick is. I mean, everybody, I mean, Mike, you're one of them that kind of just kept saying somebody's going to lose in that Catholic, Catholic League tournament. Yeah. I, I it just, finally I, went. It, I oh, never, yeah. ever, I know it, was, it went according to script as it's never been before, but I just didn't see it happening because Fenwick's so much better than every team in that league. So that's, you know, it's just been different than the last few years in that Catholic League. And they
0: did it without Ballard.
1: Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty impressive run. Yeah. And, uh, and
0: they looked so good. I know I saw him against St. Lawrence, but for, it was one of those games where when you watch a lot of high school basketball, sometimes it doesn't matter who the opponent is. When a team is playing as well as they did that night, Fenwick just looked at a different level. Um, so, yeah, I, but I guess the question is, harder I, for Fenwick to go to the west side or harder for Evanston to beat everyone they've already beat again?
1: I think it's tougher for Evanston mm-hmm. to beat everyone because they're not as high level as Fenwick playing right now, as well as when you get to the super sectional, there's a big difference between what Fenwick will face yeah. and what um, Evanston will face. Yeah. Huge I'm, difference. I'm a
0: little stumped by this because I think Fenwick, Fenwick's much better than Evanston.
1: Fenwick has the single individual toughest obstacle. Playing North Lawndale, if everything holds out, playing North Lawndale in a public league environment.
0: Yeah, it's going to be more, It's going
1: to, yes. But no, other but, but other, they're, than But that, they're
0: good enough to handle it. Whereas Evanston, as we saw from the Main South loss, are they equipped to beating someone for the third time? I mean, but. In a big Other game? than
1: North Lawndale at Weston House, nothing in the road really causes me for concern. Uh, Cause uh, for if, as far as Fenwick advancing.
0: Yeah, St. Joe's they will not have a problem with. Um...
1: If they take care of North Lawndale, Fenwick's in Peoria. And I think Evanston's going to have multiple steps.
0: Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah, I'm convinced. Okay, Evanston's is harder, not because of the familiar rivals, but because that super sectional game is just, right. yeah, that's really rough. And I've just never seen Evanston play anywhere near the level of Fenwick. Um, right, and Fenwick's, yeah. So that's going to be tough. Um, all right, let me see. I think, um, oh, we had the uh, question from Twitter. Sorry, one second here. It was a uh, recruiting-based. Okay, here we go. Um, First-time podcast question answer or asker who I did not have here, but uh, good question. He says, "I know Sam Taylor the third might have offers in football," um, which that's a good question. Um, People came out to see him. He's so small. You know, I don't know much about football, but I stood next to a lot of Eastern and Western Illinois coaches and watched Sam Taylor and stuff. And they were interested, but I don't know what kind of offers he has. But the question is, have we heard much about his basketball offers after this big senior year? Joe?
1: I just, from three weeks ago, there were Division II schools checking out Sam Taylor, but still trying to figure out what road he's going to go. And three weeks ago when I talked to Ty Streets, you know he it, it I don't know I'm putting it at percentages sixty forty football over basketball I guess. Oh really? Yeah. Um, but that was you know three weeks ago. He has really gone off lately uh, in his last three games. He's averaged like like twenty six or twenty seven points a game in his last three outings. You know I I, I mean I think he's a division two prospect, um, but he's still under the radar. Because no one knew about him at all. Yeah, he's season. so difficult because it's I one mean, year. Yeah, no one's no one's seen him in AAU. No one has saw him mm-hmm. in high school prior to this year. No one's really seen Thornton play as far. I mean, you'd have to make a a concert special effort to go see Thornton yeah. play if you're a college coach right now. Uh, so, but he's a scholarship player in basketball, in, in, without question.
0: He's got those intangibles. He's a leader. He's a guy who wants to be the alpha dog. He wants to – when he has to score, he does.
1: I mean, he's the he's the biggest breakout senior.
0: Yeah, I believe in the kid. Of the, of totally. Play. I mean, I had to cover football this year, and that's the question. You know what? Now that I've thought about it, he was as electric on the football field as any player I saw um, well, in, a, in the whole state.
1: From a basketball perspective, recruiting-wise, and some kids do this, but this would this would help him – Immensely, if he went this route, if he he was bound and determined to go basketball, mm-hmm. is to go play AAU after the in the, sp- in the yeah. spring, and I, I guarantee you, it, you know, part of it is finding the right fit. And but if he were to do that, he would get way more looks and way more interest than he's received up to this point. Because you can go play AAU in the spring here in April, when the evaluation period is just two, in a- two weekends in April, that he could showcase, you know, really what he's become, uh, and, and emerge as a as a bona fide prospect.
0: That's a really good idea. Yeah, I feel like in April I'll start hearing about how Sam Taylor, if he does that, and Evan Gilliard are both great, and they've improved so much. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, well, no crap. Um, all right. Last question, I think, here. Malcolm Lively, who's asked a few questions over the um, last two years. He says he loves the show. First question, what do you think the difference in Simeon's play has been over the past few weeks? After that loss to Fenwick, they seem to be playing really well. Last year was pretty disappointing, and since they had pretty much the same team coming back, I didn't have much confidence they could take State. Are they now favorites in 4A? First off, they did not have the same team.
1: Well, you just mentioned Evan Gilliard. Yeah, and if you were to go back to our very early podcasts, the reason, the the single reason why I thought Simeon was going to be way better than last year, and I think they are way better, is Evan Gilliard. And, and the reason was I know the regular high school fan, I know high school coaches, I know all of this. These people don't see the AAU scene. But Evan was he he was spectacular this summer uh, playing for Mean Streets and AAU. And he was a completely different level. He was a role-player last year, a spark plug for Simeon. But he evolved into this catalyst type of player. And that was the single reason why I thought Simeon would be much better And, and really why I ranked him number one, over slightly over Morgan Park. So I think individually, I think he has been huge. He's been huge in their big games, too. Uh, that, oh, yeah. that Morgan Park game at Morgan Park, he was a monster. Uh, obviously, he just had a big, huge fourth quarter in the, in the championship game uh, against Kenwood. He's made big plays. And individually, that's the biggest. Now, the other thing is I think they have, as Simeon usually does, just kind of molded and come together over the course of the season and defensively they are we Mike and I talked about it right before we started this podcast defensively they are doing some things to force other teams to really highlight their weaknesses and that in particular is that is that defense forcing people to make shots on them and we talked about it teams have not been able to do that
0: Yeah, I think, first of all, I 100% agree with what you're saying about Evan Gilliard. However, I didn't have to watch any summer basketball to figure that out. It was very clear by watching a sophomore all year and then seeing what he did in that normal game to know that Evan Gilliard was going to be the alpha dog next year. I didn't have to watch it happen in spring. I had full confidence that it was going to.
1: I I didn't know um, that that kind of jump would be made that quickly. Yeah, I saw that. Especially as a... I mean, Evan forced a lot of things last year. But the aggressiveness um, was
0: there, and that's what you wanted of the sophomore.
1: Yes, but it was just this over-aggressive. Thing. He has molded his game. He's he's he. You, 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 I just wrote about today. You can't slow him down, but he also isn't sped up. And that's what he did last year. He kept speeding up, speeding up, speeding up. And he was doing uh, it even
0: the beginning of this year and turning it over a bit, and he stopped that um, quite a bit. But this,
1: this notion that he's kind of this unknown, I mean – He's getting recruited pretty heavily by some really good college basketball programs. Yeah,
0: what I'm surprised by with Simeon, Zach Norvell is way better. I did not see that coming last year. To me, he has taken a huge step. I never thought Zach Norvell would be as good as he is right now. I'll say that.
1: But she always out. act like he was a lemon last year.
0: He was. The whole team was. <laughs> okay. Except for Edward Morrow, the whole team was a lemon last year. I, and I don't think they would disagree.
1: I don't think Zach Norvell was as, as bad as... as he,
0: I saw no indications that he was going to be the absolute stone-cold killer that he is. The, the, and the thing is, about it's if you don't watch But that's sex, the
1: evolution of a junior to a senior, am uh,
0: Not like this, not to this level. That, that, forget how many points he makes or scores. The way he does it is at such a high level. The shots he takes, they're ridiculous, some of them. The way he's stepping back and creating space where there is none, and, I mean... He's very doing,
1: good re, very good rebounder, too. He's
0: doing weird Kobe Bryant stuff <laughs> as a senior in high school that I don't see from kids who are really, really good. And I, I had no idea he had that in him. So that's been my big shock out of them. But over the past few weeks, to answer Malcolm's question, um, they're playing far more together. And Talon Horton Tucker, to me, is the number one factor. Because Zach Norvell has been doing what I just said for most of the year, and so has Evan Gilliard. But the difference is, instead of this James Gordon, Terrell Phipps, Ben Coupette, you know, churning, we don't know what we're doing with that spot, Rob starts those guys and whatever, and then Talon Horton Tucker comes in, and wow, I mean...
1: Yeah, I remember the Pangos deal in October, Mike, I'm sitting there with Rob Smith talking to him. we were just talking basketball, we're talking, you know, lineups and, and depth and all this, and I said, and his name never came up, <laughs> and I said... Anyway, Taylor Horton or Tucker was out in the court playing at this Pangos all-star deal I said Rob that guy is going to be either starting for you or playing major minutes you're not gonna be able to keep him off the court and sure enough um you know he he knew he had a bundle of talent there and Taylor Horton Tucker but I you know for you're exactly right I mean he I loved him this fall and he's he his he defies his body because he is yes. super <laughs> yeah. he is super skilled and he is a versatile, versatile player,
0: yeah, as much as I get on you recruiting guys, I, I always get angry when a tweener doesn't fit in a box that recruiting people like. I didn't know what to do like in my basketball mind when I first saw Taylor Horton Tucker. I wasn't sure he seemed like a really mobile Nate Minoy, and I didn't know what that was. <laughs> yeah. And I was very confused, but the more I've seen him now, and it's every and a lot of times he'll seem out of control, you know, but then it works. And I've started to, I guess, trust his game more and trust what he brings. And he, I, I think Rob Smith has as well. I'm him more playing time. And defensively, I mean, that that's what won the Morgan Park game. That length on Charlie, you know, at that last moment there. You know, at a few different times, that, that length is difficult to deal with. He's bigger than, I think he's only listed at 6'2 or 6'3, but he's a long, Live, wide long 6'2 wide big
1: And, and, and skilled. He's a yeah. terrific passer. got a good feel. And he, he, he's... You know, I, I, I put him in my top 10 prospects this fall in, in the stuff that I sent out to college coaches in that class. And I just remember all the, the, the various texts and phone calls. To, Who is this kid? What? 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 Who is this? Uh, so, I mean, he's lived up to it and done a, a phenomenal job.
0: All right. So much, Morgan Park Simeon. But his, Malcolm's last question. He's a Morgan Park alum and he's got a legitimate question. Should I be worried? He says, North Lawndale was a tough game. Now we've lost to Simeon twice. RB took them to overtime. I know it's hard to keep teenagers focused, so I'm hoping they'll be ready for the state playoffs, but I'm concerned. about not only Belleville-Altoff now, but North Lawndale and Fenwick too. Malcolm, yeah. I mean, <laughs> everything...
1: worried in what regard?
0: About their run. About if they're going to be in there. to Peoria?
1: Yeah. I'm still not worried. I... I, I just think they got so much moxie to them. That they're gonna Where? Be-
0: no, no, the moxie's been gone.
1: No, 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 no.
0: What happened to Jamal Burton? What happened? Where'd he go?
1: I'm just saying. He's this not team, playing and, like he was. This team will recharge. They're going to get out. They're going to blow a pe- couple people out in the early part of the state tournament. But he should be worried. And this will be It
0: disappeared. Long-
1: if they had a rugged, brutal road to get there, I don't see that big, tough road. Do you? Oh, I think we talked about this before. You think everybody in that section has a shot of beating them? Hillcrest is going to be. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. Hillcrest uh, will
0: probably beat Fenwick on Wednesday and it'll throw everybody for a loop because Fenwick won't care and they won't have Ballard. It's going to be a mess. But anyway. um, Yeah, I think they've got an interesting. But no, it's not. He should be worried because this is not the Morgan Park Stone Cold killers we saw earlier. There yeah, is. I agree with
1: that. Um, But yeah. they were
0: out rebounded by Simeon twice there. That should not happen. And that's why they I, lost.
1: I, I've never thought they were a, a, a terrific rebounding team.
0: Well, that's because Chapman and Burton and Burrell rebounded like their hair was on fire.
1: And, and they stopped to, to, to doing th- that. Offensive rebound. Anyway, I, I I just I you you trust that Bogan will will get it done and beat Morgan Park. Nah,
0: I wouldn't think so, but the third time things that was weird. Um no, no, I, I'm I'm not a big Bogan guy this year, so no.
1: You know, um, I just, I I don't see it till my, Hillcrest. I think they're okay. I'll be really shocked if Morgan Park doesn't make it to Peoria. Yeah. Shocked.
0: But no, you should be worried because that does not look like the team that was killing everybody, um, for sure. Yeah,
1: that, that you know, they, don't, they don't look like that dominating team yeah. that that we thought was clearly the best team, and, and
0: not just but, because Simeon managed to beat them twice. You know, because of multiple other things, um, other recent games. But anyway, um, let's uh get your first take, Joe.
1: Yeah, I mean, while my first one's just while Simeon was the weekend's big winner, by, I mean, clearly, I really believe Kenwood's big signature win over Curie was an absolute must win for this team if it had hopes of getting through that sectional next month. Being close, competing against top teams is just fine for a while, but at some point you have to break through. I know Ken would beat Curie before, but that was without Devin Gage, who when Devin Gage is playing at a high level, he's he is their guy. So, But I, if they would have lost to them again with Devin Gage playing, I just think there would have been some doubt lingering. And you can say all you want. No, we're, we'll be ready for him to, in the sectional or fourth time we play him. Dah, 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 dah. Uh, but I just think after falling short against them, and haven't been beaten up by Altov, they just would have gone into the state tournament without any true marquee win. I think it's a confidence building thing. I think it's a momentum building thing. Even though they did lose to Simeon, um, they played Simeon very very tough. I just think that was a huge win. Even though it, some luster was taken off, it was their first city championship game appearance and kudos to the program for, for reaching a level they never reached before and they fell short in the title game. I, I just think that game was pivotal for their development as a power team that you think has a chance to win foray. Uh, I, I still have a few little question marks about their guard play uh, down the stretch of tight games. I, I am concerned sometimes, but as far as having that leadership and that, that security in the backcourt, but I, I just think that win was huge for Kenwood. Uh,
0: no doubt about it. It's amazing what happens when you bring in nine high-profile transfers. Amazing.
1: One homegrown. Yeah. Um, Nick Robinson, baby.
0: Yeah. And that, that that dovetails into my take. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, this – and I, I, you can sense it. I sense it on Twitter – You know, I send it in the emails I get. There's a lot of frustration out there. We spent most of this podcast talking about the public league and Fenwick. And the rankings right now, what, six of the top seven are public league teams. And trust me, it is not that anyone has a bias towards them. It's just that right now, they're significantly better. I mean, the only... Fenwick is the only suburban team right now that is near the level of the top CPS teams.
1: And they're private.
0: Yeah, and that's just a fact. I mean, as much as I would like Thornton or Evanston to be, it's just not. The proof is not there. It's not there in the look test, it's not there on the resume. It's not there when you look at the tail on the it's just not it's not there. And that's upsetting to me as much as it is all of you listening to this that are like, "Would you stop talking about Red South teams or people on Twitter?" There's nothing we can do about that. It's just it's a fact this year. So tr- please trust me that it's not bias. I wish Joliet West had beaten Simeon and Curie and won Pontiac. I wish Thornton, you know, had vanquished all comers. They beat Young at least, but from whoever else, it's just it's not the case this year. And I know these city teams are assembled in a way that's not fair to the suburbs. Fenwick's assembled in a way that's not fair to the suburban teams, but that's, it's just the truth right now. And there's nothing we can do about that. That's just the best basketball teams are these superstar assembled teams. It's not a a cool, fun, Jeremy Richmond led group of kids in Waukegan. You know, it's not a bunch of kids and John Shire at Glenbrook North. It's not even Jalen Brunson and some kids in Stevenson. That's just not what's happening right now. There is no suburban team that is anywhere close to the level of forget, I'm sorry, but forget Samana Morgan Park. They're not close to Kenwood and Curie at this point. It's just not there. And there's nothing we can do about that. And in my opinion, high school basketball is way better when there is that community and that team. And I, this year, you heard me talk about it in the podcast. I wrote about it in the paper. I thought Riverside Brookfield was going to be that team this year. I thought they would be the ones that was going to be up there with these teams. I thought they'd be elite. I ranked them what number five to start the season. They haven't quite lived up to that for whatever reason. Um, maybe I was wrong. you know, maybe they just haven't quite reached their full potential. Season's not over yet. Maybe they can make a nice run in the sectional well, they do have it there, but my take here is, sorry, it's just the truth. The city teams and Fenwick are just significantly better than any suburban team.
1: Yeah and it's proven by this podcast how much we've talked about it because <laughs> this is one dominated podcast I know. Uh we do try to talk you know suburban north suburbs, south suburbs, western suburbs but it, it I mean it you know just take the area that I live in in the western suburbs it is as down and as weak as the western suburbs have, have been than that I can ever remember. Um and then my second take is Now, Catholic League League people are going to get upset. I don't know how upset because I don't know how much they like it. But the Catholic League has some serious work to do. Although it's still in its infancy, infancy stage, a few years of the Catholic League tournament I don't think has produced what many had hoped and envisioned that this Catholic League tournament would produce. From a media and basketball fan standpoint, this Catholic League tournament has not caught on. Uh, it is just out there. There are some very big obstacles this league has to deal with. New teams coming in. You know They've come in in the last couple of years. Some schools closing. Some horrific geographical issues. Some wide-ranging enrollments they have to deal with. But between the division setups that they currently have and this tournament, there are just a bunch of kinks that need to be worked out in the Catholic League. You want one single Catholic League champion, I agree. I think that's what's best and that's what this tournament provides but it's a chore right now in getting to that point and there are just some things going on with this that, I mean you've got a Loyola Academy playing Marmion at Mount Carmel. Um, That's just one small example of, of a game last week. Come on. Wilmette, Aurora, going to 64th and Dante or whatever I, I just there's just some things they need to figure it out now there's just talk of this certain schools may not even be open next year obviously Seton is, is done so there's just a lot of upheaval i think in the Chicago Catholic League that has to be ironed out and i don't think the Catholic the Catholic League tournament has, has caught fire or done much to alleviate that
0: very true um we could talk about that for a while. Maybe we'll hit it over the spring, how to fix the Catholic League mess. Um, but that also nicely dovetails into uh, my second take, which is a um, continuation of my first take. And it's a warning. It's a warning to the state, uh IHSA folks in Bloomington. It's a warning to all the downstate people. It's a warning to the suburban people.
1: That's a, lot of, that's a lot of warnings. Yeah, because... For what? What are we warning them?
0: We're warning. I'm warning them. You better look out because if you don't fix the state tournament soon, it's things are changing. I go to this state tournament every year. Obviously, I've gone to it long before I was getting paid to go. I go to the city title game every year. There's been a shift, a significant shift, and don't listen to people who tell you coaches think state is more important they get a lot of credit for winning state titles um so they like that you know robert smith nick irvin whoever's always going to tell you state's more important um and so that gets written a lot whatever but if you sat there in both places and you had no idea what was going on, and you just, like, came from Mars, and i put you at Chicago State to watch the city title game, and then if you came from Mars, and i put you in Peoria to watch the 3A or 4A state title game, there wouldn't be one question in your mind. Which game was more important? Which game meant more? Which game more people were at? Which game they cared about more? It would be the city title game every single time for the last five or six years. And for a while, I thought that was because of the level of talent. I thought it was because it was... Okafor and Jabari Parker and Cliff Alexander well guess what on Sunday none of those people were there nobody that's a for sure NBA player ever was there nobody that's a lottery pick was there it was just two schools from the south side and there were 6,000 people there to watch despite the fact that it was ten dollars to park and it was ten dollars to get in and nobody knew if it was starting at 4 or four thirty, and it was a total mess and they screamed and they yelled and they loved it and it was an absolutely dream atmosphere for any high school basketball fan. And so, so we've got that, and Peoria sucks, and we know that. Well, now let's take what's going to happen next year and the next few years. It's going to go to DePaul, a bigger arena where other types of people are going to feel safe to go. And it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And we know right now that there isn't a surefire lottery pick. There is no Okafor, Jabari Parker, Alexander in the next two or three years. So we'll go to DePaul and we'll have these big crowds, maybe six, seven, 8,000. But what happens in four years when there is the next Jabari Parker, the next Okafor? What happens if it keeps going like it does and that guy shows up? They're going to sell out that DePaul Arena for the city title game. And all of a sudden, this state title thing where nobody's at is going to seem pretty stupid. And I'm very confident now in saying this, that if things don't get fixed with the state tournament and the venue and the classes, that we are not far away, maybe 10 years away. If it keeps trending as it is, where the city title is going to be so much more and such a bigger media event than the state title, at least for Chicago, obviously, since the other teams aren't playing. But I'm just saying things are getting weird now. And you better watch. Because one event has momentum, one event has the fans behind it. One event feels like a it's alive, and one event feels like it's slowly dying.
1: Well, we know that the, the slowly dying part we ever But yeah. what Mike, I agree with majority of what you're saying, except for the part that uh, the public league basketball is is so important to the public league and the city of Chicago. It's almost like a subculture of the grand scheme of things of high school basketball. It doesn't I mean, the state tournament is the state tournament. And you you've talked about that. You like the geographical representation. I mean, I, I anybody south of eighty could care less really about anything that happens in the public league. Uh they You don't I mean,
0: you don't have to go that far. Yeah.
1: I mean well, right, I'm just saying. But I go to a and, sectional and, semifinal it, at Thornton you, and nobody's there. As you work your way towards the city, it gets it's gets more important to high school basketball fans. Um, but, that, again, it's such a I, – I get what you're saying about the energy level and the excitement and the crowds and, and the meaningfulness of it because, well, the IHSA has ruined the state tournament in Peoria. But – for high school basketball, I I I don't like hearing what you're saying. No, it it's uh, horrible. And I mean, it, it, it is big. It's the, huge the, in the city. There's a not, way.
0: There's a way that this works out for everybody.
1: But it's not huge statewide. The, I, and I know oh, you're going to say, "Let's get the state tournament in Chicago." You no, know,
0: but that's what will be perfect. Once and, we start bringing ten grand in for the city title game, that's right when they'll move the state tournament.
1: Right. They're they're going to it's going to if that happens it's inevitable that they draw fans and it's going to be very important and you're going to have crowds at the games but i still believe the state tournament feel will be will be somewhat lost as a result of moving out of i mean but they forced that they they forced that decision yeah. they've forced the hand of that you're going to lose the vibe and the environment of the state tournament experience with the end result being, you've improved the atmosphere and the imp- and the electricity of the actual games, which I guess you could debate is is more important. I don't. I don't know. I. I that's depressing. Yeah. You're, you're um, just not ever going to. I. I don't think you're ever going to recapture. I don't think it's ever getting better. That that that's that's the that's sad. As someone who loves high school basketball. Maybe there's people as much love as loves much as I do, but nobody more. The fact that I really don't think it's ever going to get better, um, as long as it's played where it's played right now. You know, they might be able to status quo. You might get a little bump with certain schools that bring a ton of fans or whatever, but it's just four class killed it. And you, you, the only thing you're going to recapture now are improved crowds, and the only way you're going to do that is to move it to Chicago, and the only reason that happens is is because of the sheer numbers of people that can just simply drive 10 minutes, 20 minutes, take a train or whatever, and go buy a ticket and go to the game. That's why the crowd... It's not because...
0: No, you're, the, you're 100% the, right.
1: The that, teams are yeah. different, or <laughs> the players totally, are better, or yeah, it's, totally it, correct. it's simply yeah. proximity. Um, And if the IHSA... I, I just don't... Pro, I personally don't think the IHSA cares. I really don't. I think they will stick down in Peoria with 2,300 fans playing in Carver Arena.
0: And and you're right. When it comes down to it at its heart, it's not the venue. It's the classes. And we keep skirting around that because we know they won't change the classes, but they could change the venue. So that's what we talk about. And And we're tired of hearing people whine about the classes. But it's true. That's what did it. You're right.
1: And I would be fighting and screaming against moving it to Chicago area forever if if it was healthy in yeah. central Illinois. Yeah. I wouldn't want it up here.
0: I, I wouldn't either. Uh, I agree. But yeah.
1: it's become so brutally bad that I'm like, okay, well, I don't care. Go. I'll just stay in my house and drive to DePaul and the arena and go to the games and come home and... Uh, you don't know, go out and meet with but that's not happening that much in Peoria anymore. So uh, it's just changed. It's 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 that's again, that's another off season topic, but
0: sorry. But yeah, that city title game, it was rocking. It was pretty great. Um,
1: and I really think it's going to be super cool. Ultra cool. And
0: DePaul's going to. K- DePaul. It's going to be so great, yeah.
1: Because yeah. there are still a lot of people. It's not the easiest place to get to. Mm-hmm. Chicago State, uh, and it's just a you know a lot of people don't want to go down there. And you get a, a, a crisp, yeah. clean, brand new venue,
0: and you put a team like Kenwood with a d- in the heart oh. of
1: Chicago. Um, it's going it, to be special. It's going to be great. Um.
0: All right. The week ahead. A strange week. (laughs) It is uh, literally no games. Uh, We're recording this Monday night. Um, There's a lot of do-or-die 1A, 2A action happening right now. But um, tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, the night you guys are listening to this, uh, we've got good stuff. Manuka at Oswego. I might go there. Thought about it. Um, Mather at Von Steuben. Maybe not interesting to many people, but I'd like to see Teron Bell from Mather. And, uh... Lincoln Way Central at Bradley. Good game. Although Lincoln Way Central picked up, they lost to Lincoln Way North this week. Not or last week. Not the best sign. So some interesting games on Tuesday. Wednesday is a kind of a massive day. We got the MSL title game, which well, is. Wasn't asking, Mike. Yeah, I,
1: I'm, the four championship games. Which one do you think intrigues you the most? Which one? Do you Wait, think will be the best one? What,
0: what's the fourth one I'm missing? I got so the, central West suburban? suburban, Evanston, and Deerfield. Oh, I'm missing that one. Okay, yeah, okay.
1: Uh, Evanston plays at Deerfield. Yes. In the mid-suburban, you got Prospect, Prospect. at Conant. Yes. North suburban, Stevenson at Chicago.
0: Yes.
1: And West suburban, Glenbard West. Uh, I believe they're at Downers Grove yeah. South.
0: None of them interest me at all. Um, I'm probably going to go to Hillcrest at Fenwick.
1: I think the one that interests me the most is. Is Deerfield Evanson just because I got some people on me about my Deerfield hype? I don't know if it's hype. I just, yeah, I've written about them because they won 22, 23. Wait,
0: wait, games. they don't think Deerfield's good? No. It, oh, no. Oh.
1: I, I've I do, had a couple yeah. of stories lately on Deerfield. Yeah. And I get hit with some tweets and oh. some comments on this thing. They haven't played anybody, blah, blah, blah. So I, I'm just interested to see. I, I like this Deerfield team. This goes back to your little community. Yeah. You know, they're high school come together, some greater than its parts, coming on a little bit out of nowhere to win 22, 23 games. And they're playing this big bad ranked team. Well, I know Evanston took some hits here in, this week, but that game is the most intriguing to me because I want to see what Deerfield does uh with Evanston.
0: Yeah, I think that I mean, that's definitely the best of the bunch. Uh, I think North Chicago I mean, you It's hard to predict North Chicago things, but I think there's a scenario in which they can give Stevenson a a nice scare.
1: Stevenson's playing Uh, well, by the way.
0: Exactly that. That's why I'm. I mean, they are are really, really the Stevenson of um, two months ago. They could beat Stevenson now. Yeah, it's a little more iffy, right? um, For for sure. But but North Chicago has talent. They play hard. You know, they're always going to be the Lamont Bryant Marshall team of the (laughs) far north, which is super fun. But. I mean, the Deerfield thing's interesting. I mean, yeah, there, there's no.
1: Do you De- know what I have never dived into? I interrupted you. I'm yeah, sorry. That's okay. Is you know they win their conference championships, which I think is very important to them. But I've never really gone into deep conversation with it. I talk to these coaches all the time about the importance of these particular games.
0: Oh, these cross these these things. Yeah, yeah. they're weird to me. Yeah, good question.
1: I mean, do are they? Do the kids? Do they love it? Do they want to beat the other other division? Do they want to? I mean, I don't know.
0: In my general experience, and I'm guessing this is what the coaches and this is what everyone thinks, and this is why I I think last weekend, the City Suburban Showdown. Um, Joe, I think, has a story on that. He said he put on the site. I have not seen it yet, but it was horrible. Um, there were no fans there. The level of play was bad. And this is a, the premier event. Of the high school basketball regular season, mm-hmm. um, Bob Rilko puts it on with Dave Kaplan. I mean, Joe and I have memory. I have memory since I was a kid. Of I've
1: been to one. <laughs> I've been to nineteen of, of the 20. twenty-one. Okay, or twenty You're of the twenty-one.
0: 21 I've probably been to seventeen or so. But yeah, I it's a I it's de- a, yeah, We deeply care about this event. It's an important event, um, and it it's lo- not because of any promoter's fault or any team's fault. They weren't able to hold any more at Welsh Ryan, which had become its home because of the new NCAA rules. They can't have it at a division one facility. So it's been traveling from that weird church on the South side to <laughs> Niles West yeah. to wherever. That, himself, yeah, that's right. part of the problem. No doubt. The, the, the quality play wasn't good. The, the, but now the problem with it is that where it is on the schedule, right? get it away from, if you're going to have the high-level city teams there, get it out of the way of the city tournament finals and get it before the playoff road comes. This is my point about these tournament games, the MSL and you know West Suburban title games. Once everyone sees their road to the state title, nothing else is important.
1: It loses its luster. Yeah,
0: everything becomes minimalized. So that game has to get moved up before that. The city title still matters because it's the city title, so that's fine. We know our road to stay, but everything else should end before that. This weird seems weak. It seems weak and weird, and to have such a premier event and a beloved event like the City Suburban Showdown happen when we already know our way to the ultimate goal, to me, seems strange. And Am I crazy? It used to be earlier, right?
1: No. I don't. I think you're I wrong. Was, I, I mean...
0: You know I, what? What changed was the state tournament? If, if Since there it were only two classes earlier, but but the, the pairings were not out because there were only two classes. Maybe
1: um, the I'm, pairings weren't out. I'm, I'm almost, almost positive. That, that the no, pairings. that's definitely not true. Really? Because the pairings used to come out way before. Now, they come out later now than they used to. Was the seeding meeting? Done, you know,
0: it was the first week of February. They
1: had a ridiculousness like ten years ago of when they did seating. They they have always done them way early like ten years ago, and they pushed that back. Or push that. Do l- so you bit think over. the
0: seeds were out when, like, yeah. Whitney Young? Was no, king I. Emanuel. I think,
1: I, but the, if you look at the history of that event, oh yeah, it, it hasn't been city dominated. They would have, you know, your king, your one good king team. You'd have your great, maybe a Simeon team here and there, and but it wasn't multiple public league teams. That's true. Like West yeah, always Aurora, always have Central with Sean Livingston, yeah. or West Aurora teams, or Shire, or Greg Oden, or Deerfield and Ryan Hogan, or I mean, I'm going way back, but
0: never uh, any Juliet teams.
1: You know, <laughs> there were always there was there's been the complications in the past. This year was particularly bad. I just because those two teams were playing Friday night in Simeon Morgan Park, and they just. They just weren't at their peak levels. That we, if anybody followed Simeon and Morgan Park over the course of the year and then watched them Saturday night, everyone who watched those teams play all year would agree that that was not the the zest to the the. Zest, the, no. the and the,
0: then RB and Evans couldn't beat them, so it was like, oh, geez.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, and I mean, I mean, our take like another maybe from RB. I wrote about this. RB played well. Uh, I don't want to act like they didn't deserved to, to, to be an overtime I just that was not the Morgan park you, you saw the night before or really any other game this year um but RB did look good so you know there's something to be taken from that too
0: um I guess we were doing we got sidetracked majorly there huh um so that was Wednesday <laughs> um, <laughs> right. th- 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 Thursday we've got only
1: two games well, there's not much more to cover anyway. yeah true Thursday we got two
0: games on my on my hot schedule here vocational at Mather Yet another chance for me to see <laughs> Trayvon Bell. Trayvon, uh, huh? Trayvon Bell, yes. And then um, I'll probably go to this one, actually Brook at Stag. I have not seen Bolingbroke yet this season. I want to see uh, Joseph Yosefu, the freshman, some of the other guys. And Stag, oh. going to be a good team next year. John Contant, all juniors basically playing for them, and they've beaten some good teams. They're one to watch. They're a possible to likely preseason low super 25 squad next year so that'll be a interesting game and then friday it's just south suburban madness rich south at crete Moni joliet central at joliet west bradley bourbonet at thornwood Lincolnway west at Lincolnway central pick your side in all those holy wars and uh, go at it it should it should be super fun
1: i'm gonna go find me a 2a regional final
0: ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've thought about that as well um but now, you know, I can't go to Joliet Central, Joliet West, because that would be like tearing myself in half. So I haven't decided where I'm gonna head. Um, I kind of want to see Collins. A lot of the Collins kids have been tweeting at me. Um, so if they may get to the, the Friday to the 2A. I'll, I might go check that out. Um, but yeah, it's a weird week. So maybe go see some weird stuff. But um, thanks for listening, everybody. I know we've been rambling for a while next week
1: big state tournament preview
0: oh boy it's gonna be so big it's gonna be fun um i mean no one has any clue who's gonna win 4a now that morgan park has um hit a major speed bump we don't even know who's gonna be the big 3a other than belleville Altoff so big state tournament preview next week thanks for listening